patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicated to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 52 of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I'm your host, Sherman Tylowski. Thank you so much for joining us today. This will be the interview that precedes the first anniversary episode that's coming up later this month. Make sure to check it out in a couple weeks. I'll make sure to note that at the end of this episode as well. But I've got a great guest coming on in just a little bit. I'm going to introduce her right now. Mackenzie Graham is a 17-year-old who graduated high school this spring while simultaneously earning her Associates of Arts degree through dual enrollment. She was recognized by her county as a dedicated community volunteer and prominent youth leader. She has served in civic organizations holding leadership roles of chair, vice chair, communications director, and treasurer. In a proclamation presented to Mackenzie from her home county, June 10th, 2021 was declared the official Mackenzie Graham Day. She is passionate about youth leadership, entrepreneurship, and encouraging teens to get involved within their communities. She is also an advocate for Kawasaki's disease after her younger sister was diagnosed at the age of two. All in all, a phenomenal person who is so involved and so passionate about serving her community, and I'm so excited to introduce her. Mackenzie, thank you so much for coming on to Friends and Fellow Citizens. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and I'm so excited. Fantastic. Well, let's get right into it. Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where what you're doing right now and uh, how you got interested in volunteer experiences in your local community. Well, I'm a Florida girl, born and raised. I live sort of out in the country, but not too far from the beach, so I'm blessed to have the best of both worlds. And I was a pre-professional ballet dancer for 12 years until I decided to make a change. And ever since I've been playing golf for the past three years, it's a wonderful sport. I really enjoy it. And like you said, I recently graduated high school a year early while simultaneously earning my Associates of Arts degree through dual enrollment. And I'll be attending Stetson University this fall, where I plan to major in political science and was also recently accepted into their accelerated law program. So I'm super excited to hopefully achieve my long term goal of graduating from law school. And what really sparked my desire to get involved in my community and with civic organizations is when I was in middle school, I developed a strong interest for history and I began diving deep, especially into the World War II era and the Holocaust. And through my reading and research, I realized that those events happened not so long ago. And there are still terrible things happening in our world and within our country. And this was in about 2014 when I was really first diving deep into all of this. And this is what truly made me want to get involved and in, to help ensure and prevent um, any negative events that I had learned about from happening in our current society and today's world. And it had just so happened to be coming up on the 2016 presidential election year. And I really started thinking about my core values and beliefs. And also during this time, my mom began volunteering for a local partisan club. And that's where I was initially invited to attend my county's teenage civic organization. So I attended my first meeting and their elections were also coming up around the corner. So I decided to write a speech and I ran and was elected as outreach director at the age of 12. So I was 12 years old when I got my first leadership role. And ever since then, I've been running and being elected in various positions, including chair, vice chair, communications director, and treasurer in my county's teenage civic club. 
and also on the board of our uh, state teenage fit club as well. Fantastic. Wow. At the age of 12, that's unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> I don't, what was I doing at the age of 12? <laughs> um, uh, but that's phenomenal. And I want to touch upon that history bit because I feel like I don't hear so much about that when it comes to history interest from you know, young people like ourselves, right? Because Absolutely. it seems so far away. It seems like something where it was just too different of a time, maybe. Um, have you ever been in a situation where um, you know you spoke to someone about your interests regarding history, and you know people just all of a sudden just start asking you like, "Why is this girl so interested in history?" I mean, what, what was what is it like to have that interest in something that where when technology and society just seems to be changing so quickly? Yes, I've absolutely been in that scenario, and. When, when I was younger, um, I started tracing my family's roots and actually traced back to, you know, European descent. Um, my dad's family is from Italy and Slovenia. And so when we had traveled to Europe for the first time to meet my dad's side of the family, they had talked to us about like their history and how they were involved in World War II. And that's really what initially, um, had me research the World War II era as well as the Holocaust. And, you know, ever since I've, I've had um, extreme, extreme passion for history and the history of our nation as well. We, we learned a lot. And, you know, those events happened not so long ago. And, you know, it was a, it was a hard time for all of the countries involved in the war. And part of the reason I'm, I'm so involved in civic organizations is because I, I don't want those same mistakes and negative aspects of World War II to reoccur in today's society. When you get involved in volunteer organizations and everything, um, what do you think are some of the most important lessons you've gotten from these various experiences? Now, I know every experience is different, but overall, what have you learned um, about yourself and just about people in general? Well, I've gained an immense amount of knowledge and leadership skills that will last me a lifetime and especially help me in my college career. I'm going off to college this fall, as well as throughout the rest of my adult life. And these skills include public speaking, interviewing, networking, communicating, campaigning for candidates, and so, so much more. And so I've gained a tremendous amount of wisdom and knowledge regarding those skills. Community service really makes me happy and it really brings me so much joy to see me helping others and, and serving my community. And something really memorable for me and what really stands out is participating in Wreaths Across America, which is um, an event that we, my civics club participates in every year during Christmas time. We go and we lay hundreds of wreaths across veterans' graves, and it's very touching and heartfelt, and I look forward to continuing do, doing that for the years to come. Yeah, and I guess we'll kind of switch gears a little bit to just in general being a youth leader. I mean, it can't be all you know, rosy and everything going so smoothly, right? Because as a leader, you have to encounter uh, many challenges too. So when you decided that you wanted to step up and do what you want to do to serve the community, and first of all, how and why did you choose to be really take that leadership role? Uh, but second of all, what were some of the challenges that you faced early on when you became a leader of the civics organization and doing the other things that you do around the area? Well, I chose to be a youth leader because I wanted to see change and I wanted to be an active role in making those changes actually happen. And I believe it's vital to pay attention to current events and political issues and also laws and legislation that's being passed. That way we can keep everything in balance. And, you know, going back to how, um, Whenever there's an opportunity presented to me or an invitation extended my way, or if there is a board position that is open, I, I go for it. 
if I have the time and I'm interested in it, I absolutely go for it because it's all about gaining the experience and really exploring what interests you. And I'd say some of the challenges I faced is um, just backlash from maybe people who experienced opposing views as, as I did. But, you know, I believe it's important to really listen to one another and be understanding of both sides of, you know, a belief and an opinion and come to a middle ground. Absolutely. Well, this kind of leads me to kind of our conversation about uh, today regarding civics, because this is a really difficult topic in a lot of ways. And at least from my perspective, and we touch upon civics a lot in the show, but I really wanted to focus civics on the local level because we talk so much about Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. gets so much free press. It's really, really astounding that uh, that city of not even a million people gets this much press, um, not just in the country, but around the world. I guess uh, we'll first start off with you know the local politics side, right? Why do you think it's important for people to pay attention to local politics when there's so much emphasis and so much distraction to some degree from the state and especially on the federal level? Exactly. And I agree with what you had stated. I I have been involved in my local government and campaigning for local candidates for several years. I believe it's extremely important to pay attention to, you know, who who is running for your local government, as well as, you know, positions on even the school board. I'm actually helping a candidate for my county school board um, currently. Um, so I believe it's really important to pay attention to local elections and you know, get a better understanding of who's going to be, you know, making the decisions within your community, because that affects, you know, your, your family, your children's education, and your freedoms within your own society. Yes. And, you know, just to kind of play some devil's advocate here, you know, some people might say, well, you know, it's the the federal government's huge, you know, you got to focus on the national issues, right? Because we have to serve for the whole interests of the country. Well, what would you say to that to people who may, don't appreciate the local and state politics, but instead just want to kind of divert attention to a national level and try to kind of pass the buck, if you will, you know, the local issues and dump it on to DC politicians? Yeah, well, there has to be a balance. I believe that's that's vital. And, you know, like I said, you know, you have to pay attention. Yes, of course, what happens on a national level and even international level. But it all goes back to, you know, the local government and the state's power. And you really have to pay attention to laws and legislation that your local officials want to implement throughout their leadership. And that really there really needs to be a better balance and understanding and paying attention to, to all levels. Throughout my time serving in my teenage leadership organization, we host monthly events, meetings where we invite officials and well-known spokespeople to our events to come and speak about current hot topics and also, you know, the importance of being involved in civics and, and what it means to be an American and so we host monthly events where we invite families across our county as well as students um, to get involved. Now, in terms of you know some of the things that we can do to expand civics, I guess we'll kind of get to that a little bit later. But in terms of like the foundation for expanding civics, because it's it's a hard balance, I think sometimes between you know telling people that this is how our government works, but also not telling people what they feel. You know, what, what would you say about this idea that civics needs to be some kind of a balance between knowledge about the facts, about how things work, and understanding how people feel about particular issues and the way that they express those feelings? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tricky balance, especially in today's society where it's very divided. Um, but for me personally, I, I honestly try to really understand someone else's viewpoint and opinion and try to find 
a solution or at least uh, at least agree to disagree. <laughs> I think that's really important. You know, there's there's no reason to go and attack others just because they share a different viewpoint. So I really just try to, you know, at least agree, agree to disagree. But I believe it's really important to learn and contribute to the public processes and discuss current issues to improve our society um, and really realize, you know, what goes on. Um, in our current political climate, because whether we know it now or not, it really does affect our daily lives, and especially in the long run, when it comes to our career and our living, earning a living in relation to taxes and taxation. So really, you know, it's it's important to find the va- that, that balance, but it is tricky in today's society. And what were your thoughts about the environment in your high school during the 2016 election, right? Because I believe you were, or I think you were about to enter high school or uh, or, or middle so, school, I think. Yes. Yeah, so I was in middle school and oh, okay. I was, I was actually 12. So um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, during middle school, I had actually homeschooled. Um, and, but I still, you know, attended, um, like community events and I was involved in, you know, extracurricular activities. And of course, you know, everyone was talking about it on social media. But when I when I got involved in my teenage civic organization and I, you know, got to talk with people more one-on-one in person, you know, about the election and, you know, what do you think? Um, I received a lot of, you know, negativity. And, you know, that was hard, especially being so young. But honestly, I just I just ignore it. And I I just, you know, I have a goal and that goal is to be a leader and focus on my values and beliefs. And that's what I've been striving to do. Wonderful. I've I've just lost track of time because it feels like time for me, at least, has gone so quickly. Um, <laughs> so I I just uh, I'm, I'm really I'm really really glad that you stuck with what you believe in. And ha- did that change, if at all, your view on you know the role of social media in in politics? Because it can be quite a divisive topic, right? Some people think it's an echo chamber, but others kind of see that as a way to have conversations. What What are your thoughts about social media then and if it's changed at all at this time? Yeah. So, you know, overall social media, you know, it's it's a great tool to interact with one another, keep friends and family updated. And, you know, of course, to express your opinions and beliefs. And for me personally, I've lost so many friends (laughs) just for, you know, reposting a political topic or expressing my opinion. And it in a respectful way, of course, but I've lost a lot of friends, but, you know, I believe that you can still be friends with someone, even if you share a different, you know, opinion and belief, but social media, so many people are being censored and it's a complete violation of our first amendment right. And, you know, for me personally, I've actually been, um, I've been like suspended on Instagram for a month. Instagram and Facebook wow. for posting something that was quote unquote unfactual. Um, wow, so I've definitely experienced a censorship, but you know, I I think that we just gotta you know keep fighting and keep fighting against the censorship and big tech that is trying to you know censor our our beliefs. Yeah, what was that like when you realized that you got suspended? I mean, did. Did you have any idea of what you what what had happened? And I'm sure you were probably wondering, did I forget my password or something initially? Yeah, I was shocked at first because, like, the only thing I could have thought of is like I I recently had posted like reposted, um, like it was it was just like a it was a respectful post. It was nothing negative at all. I just reposted something, and um. Yeah, the next day I woke up and like it said, like your account has been like you're suspended for 30 days. And I was like, oh, no, I was scared. Like after that, like once I did regain access, like I know I don't want to post anything. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to be like (laughs) my whole accounts are being deleted. Um, So it's definitely scary. I was scared to, you know, express my opinion after that for a little while. But 
so far, knock on wood, I haven't experienced anything like that since. My goodness, that's it, it's really it's so disheartening when I see instances of that. And it is, we got to really draw the line, and it's something that we're working on, hopefully, as a society. But I want to now kind of switch gears a little bit to your political campaign experiences. You know, we spoke a little bit about local politics and kind of getting yeah. people to be interested in that. What's the political campaign trail been like for you? Yeah, so I campaigned for many state and national political candidates, and I did door knocking, phone banking, helped with voter registration, attended rallies and events, and I I gained a lot of leadership skills from that as well, and it was an incredible, you know, experience to be able to um work alongside those candidates and get to know them one-on-one because they're all very genuine and down-to-earth people. And I was also honored to have met the former president and first family of the United States. And overall, I gained an immense amount of knowledge and I'm so humbled to have been involved, you know, on their campaign and be surrounded by like-minded patriots. What's been the number one most memorable moment you remember from that campaign? Probably shaking the former president's hand. (laughs) (laughs) Was it firm? (laughs) It was. It was quite nerve-wracking, but it was such an honor. And, you know, the former president and first family, such down-to-earth, genuine, kind-hearted individuals. I'll bet. Now, what's been kind of the wackiest or weirdest experience in Cami? Because obviously, no one, not everyone is going to be as nice and sweet and civil as Mackenzie Graham, right? There's going to be <laughs> some people who, for whatever reason, just act in a strange way. But yeah, if you had any weird experiences or anything like that. Yes, absolutely. I've definitely had a lot. Um, one particularly weird instance that happened is I was actually at a rally and I was going to the restroom and the restroom was like being blockaded by all of these people, um, on the other side of the political aisle, (laughs) they were not letting people in or out. And there were, you know, other women and girls who were stuck in the bathroom and they were not being let out and so oh, the authorities were contacted but it was really weird um because the people that were blockading the door they were laying on the bathroom floor like blocking like the pathway like everybody was laying down on the bathroom floor as if that was gonna help. i don't know it was very weird Jeez, <laughs> um, but the authorities man. had to be contacted so that was a wow. scary interesting experience <laughs> Man, I don't know how many gallons of hand sanitizer was needed. To, oh, yeah. To it's like, that's that. a little gross. That's a little too far. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, any, any any other experiences you, you feel like, man, politics is a weird thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, one of the other instances is when I was door knocking. Um, I had an adult with me at all times, thankfully, because sometimes it can be scary. But... Um, yeah, when I've been door knocking, I've definitely encountered some not so, you know, pleased people. Um, but you just have to walk away and be like, okay, you know, have a great day. Um, but I had some scary moments <laughs> door knocking, <laughs> especially as a young girl. It was a little, it was a little scary sometimes, depending on who you encountered. Yeah, but I'll bet you got a lot of courage there, right? Because I don't know how. Yes. I don't know how many doors you knocked but i think after a while i knocked thousands wow okay (laughs) thousands and thousands between like all the candidates i've volunteered for thousands well i've i've not gone to the thousands range i need to catch up on you although you'll probably be (laughs) far far ahead of me anyway (laughs) um i want to now turn to something that's obviously very very close to your heart which is about your campaign to spread awareness of Kawasaki's disease. Now, in, as yes. noted in the bio, you know, your sister was diagnosed with this disease, which my understanding, I'm not, I'm no medical expert myself, but I believe it does affect a lot of younger children, doesn't it? 
Yes. So just a little background of Kawasaki's disease. It's a severe condition that causes inflammation of the walls of various blood vessels throughout the body. And it's, like you said, primarily found in children and infants and is the leading cause of acquired heart disease in children. And interestingly, when my sister had Kawasaki's disease, it was actually my mom who discovered she had it. We had taken Savannah when she had started becoming ill. We had taken her to the doctor, to the ER, and she was actually misdiagnosed twice. And, you know, the medicines that they were giving her were not helping at all. So my mom got on Google. She did all of this research and found out her symptoms aligned more with Kawasaki's disease. And so we took Savannah back to the hospital and they ran the tests and discovered my mom was right. And so from there, Savannah received IVIG therapy and high aspirin dose treatment. And thankfully she was cured. But um, I distinctly remember she was hospitalized for several days and I was very young, but I distinctly remember when they were drawing her blood. I mean, nothing, it wasn't liquid coming out. It was like clots of blood. Um, so this disease, it can become very severe. And, you know, ever since my family and I have been spreading awareness of the symptoms and of the condition to other families and healthcare professionals. And we've also been working alongside the Kawasaki's Disease Foundation and, you know, attending their meetings and, you know, continuing spreading awareness because it it's not a very well-known disease, but it's it can often be misdiagnosed and therefore not properly treated, which is why it's so, you know, important for us. You know, we don't want any other families to go through what, we had to. And so that's why we've been spreading awareness since. Wow. What, what an inspiring story. And it, it must have taken so much courage and faith and uh, compassion from you know, your, your mother and the team of doctors and obviously your family as well to go through something like that and you know, to be able, I think, be able to spread that message of optimism and helping others that's that's really a honorable thing to do and i'm just curious to know what you were kind of feeling when you were that young I mean, it was a long time ago i know but yeah it, has that did that make you realize something different about you know just life in general just about the realities of what life can bring to all of us Yes, absolutely. It was a it was a very scary time. Um, I stayed with my family at the hospital for a few days, and then I went to stay with my grandma. Um, and my mom and dad remained at the hospital. But just to see my sister, you know, finally be discharged, and you know, to hug her and to see all the color come back to her skin, she was like white as paper when she was in the hospital. Um, it was, you know, I was so grateful. Um, and it definitely made me realize that, you know, life, life is short and you, you have to, my, ever since my family and I have been really paying attention to, you know, what we consume in our bodies and paying attention to medical research and being extremely cautious whenever we get sick. Um, because that was a very scary experience, and you definitely don't want anything like that to happen again. <laughs> Absolutely. And how has this experience translated into maybe a broader awareness of you know, of being healthy and uh, just, I guess, we're in this kind of public health kind of weird time, isn't it, right? Yes. Um, how has this pandemic changed, if at all, about you know your your time dealing with this, um, this, this crisis for your family in terms of like spreading awareness of good public health measures or just healthy lifestyles and everything. Yeah. Well, especially since the pandemic hit, it's, um, encouraged my family and I even more to do, to do even more research and not just, you know, believe every source out there, 
not just believe every single you know thing in the media that's published, but really do our own research when it comes to you know medical treatments and what we should consume in our bodies. Um, so definitely doing your own research and making sure that you're following um, reliable sources um, to make sure that you know you're you're consuming a healthy lifestyle and. Um, in regards to the pandemic, we, you know, at first we remained indoors for a long time. I don't think any of us knew what we, what like was really happening, um, until like we waited for, you know, um, more news articles and publications. And, you know, we've also talked to a lot of healthcare professionals, um, just to learn more about the COVID pandemic itself and, you know, what we should and shouldn't be doing. But I think it's really important, you know, like in any circumstance throughout your life regarding your health to, to do your own research and and not just believe what one person tells you. Um, you know, because from our experience, Savannah was misdiagnosed twice by two very prominent doctors, you know, in our county. And so that really, you know, persuaded us to, okay, we have to kind of be on our own here and not just trust one person, but really gain information from a lot of other healthcare professionals as well. Absolutely. I want to touch upon a little bit about the healthcare professional conversations you've had. I mean, what has it been like to speak to them and just get to know their experiences throughout this pandemic? Yes. So, well, when Savannah had Kawasaki's disease, we actually reached out to um, someone who lived across the country, another healthcare professional who was more familiar with uh, Kawasaki's disease. Uh, we had several calls with him, exchanged emails, um, just trying to receive as much information as we can. And we've also been, you know, attending the National Kawasaki's Disease Foundation um, board meetings monthly and on there we've been talking with other healthcare professionals and it's it's interesting because they're actually um they were actually finding you know some possibilities of connections between the covid pandemic and kawasaki's disease so i'm interested on our next board call to see you know what else they've discovered wow that's that's got to be quite something you know just kind of delving into that space and i i guess because of your experience right when you hear people say that uh, oh you gotta believe the science well it's kind of a broad subject isn't it you know not everyone's yeah. going to be on the same page right um, but uh i i, I really want to now tie this in with kind of the larger picture of you know getting people young people in the public service which is obviously something that you're very passionate about you still continue to do Broadly speaking, you know, what do you think is keeping youth away from entering civics or entering public service as a career? Does anything come to mind on your end? Yeah, and I think it also goes back to to the par- to parenting and you know life at home. Um, for me and my family, you know, we try not to spend a whole lot of time on our technology. And in middle school, especially, you would never see me glued to my phone. Like I was glued to a book. (laughs) I like was obsessed with reading. Like my mom had to tell me to put my book down to come to the dinner table. So (laughs) definitely being glued to the technology and, you know, and certain parenting styles, um, you know, my parents always, you know, let me make my own decisions and learn lessons of my own. And they wanted me to develop my own core values and beliefs. And, you know, I did. Um, and that really, you know, I'm, I'm actually like the one in my family who initiated, you know, us getting involved in civics and like campaigning which I I gained through all of my reading. Um, that's really what sparked my interest is through reading and, you know, not spending time, you know, glued to 
social media and most other technological apps that teens and younger individuals are glued to today and really just seeking knowledge. I think it's important to to always seek knowledge and you know go out and ask others, you know, not not just, you know, sit in school all day and like learn from there, but also, you know, seek beyond that and continue gain, gaining knowledge whether it's through yourself from reading books and doing your own research or, you know, speaking to elders within your community and just seeking knowledge. For sure. And I used to read uh, a lot more and I'm trying to figure out ways to adjust my reading habits. So I will, I will take lessons from Mackenzie <laughs> on this one here. <laughs> all I need is like a free Kindle, you know, it's, that's all, that's all I need, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's that's, that's really great to hear. And it's been, a big struggle, I think, to try to get people you know, understanding the civics thing. Um, I, it's it's a bit of a it's not a random question, but it's a question that I didn't expect to ask you. But you know, there's a lot of talk about you know, having students do the civics test, which uh, which anyone who tries to be a U.S. citizen has to do with regards to, to USCIS. <laughs> Would you support some kind of citizenship? test of some kind in high school and um if so why if not uh, why not just out of curiosity yeah well i definitely think that students nowadays are not gaining enough knowledge about the history of our country and civics especially like when i like sometimes i've i've gone out and i've talked to other students and they don't really know anything of our country's past. They they didn't know what year our country gained independence. And so I really think it's vital that there's more education being taught in our schools about our country because, you know, we live in America and it's it's important that the younger generation, you know, is engaged and aware of, you know, our our foundation and how we got here and how we can continue to protect, you know, our freedoms. And um, because, you know, it, it affects our daily lives. You know, like I previously stated, everything that goes on in our country and current events, it, it, it truly does affect our, our daily lives. And so um, I definitely support there being more education on, on civics in our schools. Absolutely. Um, I I just raised the process of a test, not because I want to feel like a teacher of at some, at sometimes. Because let's face it, I used to be a student, right? So I, I sometimes I always would love to play the teacher and just be like, you got to take a test. You got to you got to have some kind of threshold to go <laughs> go after. But I really I really appreciate your answer on that. In terms of the other ways that you've done service, you mentioned a little bit about, about your your service with regards to uh, the leadership positions you've taken already. Are there any other civics organizations or activities that you think were really beneficial to your development as a young uh, public service leader? Yes, absolutely. So besides my county club and my state organization, um, a couple years ago, I became more involved with Turning Point USA and ever since I've attended their conferences. And it is an absolutely life-changing experience to attend these events with like hundreds and even up to thousands of other like-minded um, teens and students. It's absolutely incredible. And you gain an immense amount of knowledge in such a short amount of time. The conferences can be from like one day to three days, but you get to meet world leaders and speak with them and you learn so incredibly much and it's also a, a great way to network and you know use communication skills communicate with others other students and teens who traveled from all over the country so it's it's a life-changing experience one that um i'm so grateful to be a part of and to be able to attend these events wonderful well i want to now move in bit into some other ways we can get people involved, especially young people to volunteer, to 
enter the public service realm, are there any like legislative proposals or policy proposals you think could at least serve as a catalyst for people to be interested in it? Or do you think that maybe it's not the legislative or policy side, that it should really come from the family unit or the community which people are in? Yeah, I, I really think that it, it goes a lot back to parenting because it just depends, you know, some kid there's a lot of kids who are just so glued to, you know, the, the fun and entertaining apps on one's phone. And you really have to develop your, your core values at a young age and, and be proactive. And that's why I think it, I think it does also, you know, not, it's not just about the legislative side, but also parenting. Parenting plays a huge part in, and how a child, you know, will go about their lives and what activities they participate in at a young age. And I'm, I'm very blessed and grateful that my parents were so supportive of me engaging in these civic organizations and events. But I really believe it's important to, to have discussions with your parents about your values and beliefs and, you know, what you can do to enhance those and gain leadership skills, you know, whether that's doing what I'm doing and joining these teen civic organizations and, you know, gaining these skills that will last a lifetime and not in skills that, you know, aren't just about civics, but also that can help your college career interviewing for a job when you're older. So it's extremely beneficial. That sounds fantastic. And I know that you know, a lot of, I think a lot of parents are feeling really good about what you just said and are <laughs> maybe rooting for you and everything. This leads me to my next question, which, as I mentioned in the bio before, you have a day that uh, is named yes. after you, which has got to feel amazing. Because uh, I I don't I can't imagine what that's like to to have a day. Uh, tell us about how you got to that point from the beginning all the way to the the day which Volusia County recognized Mackenzie Graham Day. Well, first of all, it is such an honor, and I was screaming like so excited when I found this <laughs> out, and I'm extremely humbled and grateful to my county and the county council who put this all together, and it was actually a total surprise. One day I had received an email from one of my county council members that they had devised this proclamation and they wanted to present it to me and recognize me as a prominent youth leader. And I was like overwhelmed with joy. Like I was like fumbling with my phone. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. So I'm extremely blessed and um, I'm so grateful to them. Um, And I had went to my county building and they had presented it to me. They did a whole formal process. And after that, they had gave me a tour of um, the county building. And it was just such an incredible experience. And I'm so grateful. And I look forward to continuing serving my community for as long as possible. So wonderful. And what was it like, you know, imagine going through all this, you know, seeing the news and everything, I guess what I'm trying to get at is what does this proclamation mean to you in terms of your ambitions and your plans in the future to continue this life of public service and helping others? It absolutely motivates me even more. It, it gives me even more courage, you know, to think that, you know, wow, like, I can't believe, you know, my county council, like, they, they truly appreciate, you know, all that I've done, you know, working and serving throughout my community and encouraging other teens to get involved as well, in, especially within civics. So it's extremely humbling, and it just it gives me even more inspiration to to keep striving towards my long-term goals of going to law school and one day running for political office so it's it's absolutely incredible i love it well i want to now go into our kind of reflection phase if you like of our episode today and uh, mackenzie as you might know you know on the show we reflect on 
Six Pillars of Washington's Farewell Address, one that he delivered in 1796 when he left office, also around in 1797. And, uh, you know, the ones patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, and civility. If you could pick one or more, maybe even all six, it depends on, depends on your liking today. <laughs> uh, but if you could pick one or more of these values uh, what would which which ones would you pick, and how would they relate to the, our conversation today, and about your experiences doing all this for your community? I don't think I could choose just one. I think I have to go with all of them. You could pick as many as you like. <laughs> I honestly think I have to go with all of them, and you know, it really relates back to you know why I I got involved with, in all of this in the first place. Um, Leading back to my strong interest in history, I mean, all of those values are are why I do what I do and why I believe it's so important for the youth to be engaged and educated and aware of what's going on in our world. That way we can protect our individual freedoms and rights and also ensure that, you know, mistakes made in history don't keep repeating today. Absolutely. And if I could just pick one of them here for just for the sake of our discussion, if we take you know, something like faith, which you know it can can be viewed in various different ways, but if you were to take faith as an example, how how does faith play into your life in particular when it comes to despite all the challenges, despite what we're mm-hmm. going through, what does faith do for you uh, as an individual when you're doing everything that you're doing for uh, for your local community? Absolutely. Well, I'm a I'm a strong believer in God, my family and I, and I believe it's so important to to remain close to you know your faith, what whatever you believe in. Um, but for me, I strongly believe in God, and I pray each and every day when I wake up before I go to bed that you know I I trust God and that I. I know that he has a path intended for me and that he gives me the courage to, you know, wake up every day and continue doing what I'm doing because I truly want to help make a difference in my community and hopefully continue expanding beyond just my community, but across the state and the country. And God is there. He's always present, you know, he's present in every single moment of our lives you know, not just the big moments, but also the little moments. He's he's always present, and that's always what I try to remind myself and to continue to instill my trust and love for God. Fantastic. Well, I want to now ask you a question that I didn't include in our prep, but it's kind of a question that is very relevant to the basis of our show, which is, if not counting George Washington, who is your Favorite founding father amongst all all of them. I know there's a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but I'd love to give you a chance. Not counting George Washington because he gets way too much credit already. <laughs> I give, I, and it's because of me. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, he he's actually. I'd, I'd say he was actually my favorite. But if we're not going to include him, um, I'd probably have to say Thomas Jefferson because. When I first started um, in my teenage, in my county teenage civic organization, um, he was often discussed in our club and he was the favorite of, you know, the current chair when I had first joined. And so um, there was a lot of discussion about him and, you know, we, throughout our meetings, we always have a, um, like, a founding principles like sort of devotion like where we spend 10 minutes and we have a speaker come in and they just kind of give like a short little spiel um about founding principles and the founding fathers and so um it's i'd say he's my favorite (laughs) just because he was so often discussed and um besides george washington because he actually is my favorite so (laughs) i have to go Great. We're on the same page here. That's good. And I was just kidding about him getting too much credit. He, he, he can get credit 24-7, 365. It's totally okay with me. Uh, well, Mackenzie, before we wrap up, 
is there anything else you like to add before we figure out you know a way for people to follow you on your journey and see uh, what you're up to yes well first of all thank you so much this has been such an honor and such a pleasure speaking with you and getting to know you more. And to everyone listening, I would say to stay true to your values and your core beliefs. Don't join the bandwagon. Don't give in to peer pressure. Always stand firmly by what you believe in. And when there's an opportunity, take it if you can. <laughs> because it's important to gain experience and to always seek knowledge and protect future generations of America. Wonderful. And what's the best way for people to keep themselves updated about your journey and the other activities that you're about to embark on? Well, you can follow me on social media. My Instagram is my name, Mackenzie underscore G, and as well as Facebook and Twitter, which is the same username. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, fantastic. I will make sure to link those below. But Mackenzie, thank you so much for, for coming on to Friends of Fellow Citizens, devoting your time out of your busy schedule and miss all the other things that you're doing, including going to Stetson. Fun fact, I have three cousins who went to Stetson. Oh, and wow, that's I, awesome. Yeah, that's right. I, I So I know the school pretty well. And the Stetson Law School is not too far from where my uh, aunt lives. Uh, she lives in the St. Pete area, and uh, I just uh, I I know Stetson maybe better than a lot of non-Floridians. <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't quiz me on Stetson in the future. <laughs> I'll have to read up on it. But uh, I just want to. I'm so grateful to you. I also want to thank your parents as well, Mr. and Mrs. Graham, for allowing you to come on to this show because I know that they've been a huge and positive influence for you and for them to allow you to come on to friends and fellow citizens uh, it's a, i'm very very grateful for that so uh, i just want to again thank you mackenzie and i i really I, i'm so glad that we were able to connect and to talk about all kinds of issues which will obviously continue on for for many many years to come <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you so, so much. I'm so grateful for this opportunity and to have spoken with you and as well as my parents. They're extremely grateful and we're all so overjoyed for this experience. So thank you. And folks, that will wrap up our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Make sure to hit that subscribe button when you're finished. Have a great rest of your day, rest of your week. And remember, A day in America always gets better when we are with our friends and fellow citizens. And I'll see you next time.